message together, but for some of it, I'm going to get you to discuss it in groups, and then I'll have a bit of feedback at the end. I'll explain a little bit more in a moment. But um, just to uh, help establish where we're coming from, do you remember earlier this year, I think it was the beginning of this year, wasn't it? In the new year, we had our One Another series. Do you remember we talked about disciple one another, love one another, encourage one another, and so on? And we just felt it was really important just to understand what it means to be the family of God. We can understand it at a theological level. We are his children now through Christ. We are brothers and, and sisters and co-heirs of Christ. And we are children of our Heavenly Father. But there's more to it than that and how... The, the, the how of being family is a whole other thing. We can understand the what, but the how is how we conduct ourselves together as family. A lot of that is about one anothering. It's also about being disciples, isn't it? And something we've, we've been quite keen on as an eldership is to really look into how good are we in Beacon at discipling each other and being disciples. And so we were planning, initially we were planning another series about discipleship. We realised actually discipleship should affect every aspect of what we teach and how we apply the gospel. So we've shelved that, and we're going to carry on with Genesis through this term, with Christmas coming up and stuff like that as well, of course. Woo, exciting stuff for Christmas being planned. We've got family zone, of course. But then come the new year, we're going to have a whole new series entirely that we'll be letting you know about nearer the time that we're still working on, still planning. I'm reading lots and lots of books about at the moment, so we'll explain a bit more about that nearer the time. But in the meantime, I thought it'd still be good just to spend one morning just focusing on the subject of discipleship a bit more specifically. So we're going to look at what it means to be disciples, what it means to be followers of Christ. So if you want to turn to Luke chapter 5. See, I don't know if you remember, when I preached on disciple one another, back in January, February, whenever it was, I looked at the word disciple and realised that the word Christian appears in the Bible how many times? Can you remember? Three times. The word Christian appears in the Bible three times. The word disciple, over 250 times. And the thing we forget quite often is that we might be called Christians, but we are called to be disciples. Very different, isn't it? Very different. And of course, another word for disciple is a follower. A disciple of, disciple of a mentor, of a tutor, of a good teacher is a follower of that teacher. And so we can talk about being disciples, we can talk about being followers of Jesus, but how does that happen? How does that process happen initially, and what does it mean subsequently for us? And so my aim this morning is for us to be excited about our own calling, the fact that we are followers, I trust all of us in this room, but also to be encouraged about God's process of how he brings others into his family and introduces others to joining us as followers. So let's read this passage together, and then I've got some little worksheets you can work through together. <laughs> oh, don't groan. Did I hear a groan? <laughs> Did I actually hear a groan? Surely I didn't. Yes. <laughs> At least you're honest. At least you're honest. Luke chapter 5, we're going to read the first 11 verses. 1 to 11. Here we go. Jesus calls the first disciples. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. 
But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. How much fish? Cool. Imagine the smell. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Lord, I just pray as we dig deeper into what this passage means to us today in 2015, Herne Bay, Lord, I pray you will reveal something new to each one of us. Many of us may be familiar with this passage. Many of us, it might be quite new. But either way, may none of us not be impacted by this as we dig deep together. Help us, we pray. Amen. Okay, I've got some little questions for you to work through. Let me hand out these sheets. Have one each and then pass it on to the next table. One each and pass it on to the next table. Yeah, one each, yeah, that's fine. There's, there's, there should be enough for in five minutes' time to say, if you haven't finished question one, can you tail up and move on to question two? So you don't need to rush through it, and I'll help you keep a track of timing. But have a look at the first question. Scribble down your answers. You can all write on your own worksheets. There's spare worksheets. Has everybody got a worksheet? Thank you. On another one, you've got plenty. Pl 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 you need a pen. I'll get you a spare about what you, sh what you drew on as a group. We may even get a chance to hear from every table, of course, but you can put your hands up if you want to be heard. If not, just listen, that's fine. If not, I'll pounce on you. Um, first question. What do you think was going through the fishermen's minds? Would anybody like to share anything in particular that you discovered about what was going through the fishermen's minds, what you considered might be occurring to them or how they were feeling? Who's going to be the first to wave a hand? Peggy. Go, Peggy. The Lord knows something we don't. Ah, profound. The Lord knows something we don't. I'm using both mics here. That's very good. Who wants to add a bit more to that? Is that Elaine's hand up or are you just praising the Lord? No, just praising the Lord. Oh, we said Say it again. Hopeless. They felt hopeless. Yeah, before they went fishing. Yes, because they'd been around all night and nothing had happened. Cool, nothing. Hang on, you can have the microphone. Don't be frightened, the microphone's your friend. He said they felt amazed, obeyed what Jesus said, which equals faith. Yes. And they said they left the fish because they wanted more. Very, very good. I like it. That's, right. That's how they felt. That's how they felt before and after. Anybody else want to add to that? John? No, they they re recognised Jesus as master, which may have been a term for rabbi, for a rabbi. Yeah. Um, and uh, initially, it was really, well, we'll just get on with our business. Here's the rabbi. But when you know, Jesus performed a miracle, then they recognized him as Lord. Yes. Uh, and uh, were even, uh, we suspect, fearful because uh, Jesus says to, to Peter, don't be afraid. So yes. they're suddenly from a rabbi uh, to God in their midst. You know? Yeah, very good. 
And of course, some of that will feature in when we look at the process of becoming followers. Some of that, there's a sequence there that happens. Anything else anybody wants to share before we move on to the next question? No? Okay, then. Let's make it a bit more personal. How would you have felt? Who wants to tell me how they would have felt if you were one of them? Anxious? Very much. <laughs> Hungry? Hungry, yeah, that's a good point. Yes, absolutely. Working all night, well, all night long, weren't they? Fearful. Fearful. <laughs> At the end of a long night shift. <laughs> Grateful for a second chance. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. Sarah's got something. Adam's got something. Oh. <laughs> Would Adam like to tell us what it is? No, go on. It felt like it had no power because they were fishing all night with nothing but order from Jesus and they had loads of fish. That's right. Yeah, they feel powerless but then suddenly they're realising Jesus. That's true. Jesus was a carpenter. Who was he to tell them? And yet there was that act of faith. This is something we can all learn, isn't it? Yes, Bob. Yes. Yeah, because they've been washing them, haven't they? Even though they'll be tired from heavy nets that they've been washing already and then they're going to cast them out again. They're not light, are they? And yet they still trust. How would you have felt? We, we felt that they would have felt failures, that they were challenged, but when they had faith in him, they had to do what he said. So yeah. anything he tells you to do, you do. Very good. Even if you don't feel strong enough, that's the point, isn't it? Barry? Well, I'll come to you in a second, Peter. Uh, they heard the voice of authority mm. and they recognised something about this man. S some of them had met him already. Yeah. But what he said came with authority. And in our mm. lives, I'm sure we, however many times we sat under the gospel and heard it, Sunday after su Sunday, um, eventually, or perhaps immediately, we ca came to the conclusion this has the ring of truth about it. Yep. And so we responded. Yep. Might have taken some yeah. time, but a lot longer than others. Yeah, can do, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes years, Responding decades. Responding to authority. Peter, you want to say something? Humbled. Humbled. They were humbled by what happened as well. Yeah, very much. Straight away we see this whole contrast of who we are as humans. Weak, tired, hungry, fearful, humbled in contrast to someone all of a sudden they recognise as more than just a rabbi, more than just a guy who's good at public speaking, more than someone who's just charismatic and draws a crowd. They recognise this ring of authority. This guy is more than just a guy. There's something here and there's this great contrast there, isn't there? Very much. So therefore, in the light of that, the third question was, what was the process of these men becoming followers of Christ? Have, have you spotted a sequence? Have you spotted some kind of list of things happening? Who wants to share? Mary going to share? Yeah, mate. Our sequence was they heard the word and then they saw through demonstration the word. Yes. They were then convicted. They overcame their fear. Yeah. And they were obedient. Brilliant. So Brilliant. Exactly. So you see if other people have come up, come up with the same. 
You're used to microphones, Joe. It's all right. Um, listening, we listened to Jesus and seeing his miracles, and then they were confessing because they felt inadequate. Yeah. And they repented, and then they followed him. Very good. Very good. Anybody else spotted the same or different? Or in different words? People just come up with the same but in different words? Should I just do Julie first? That's all right. We look back to uh, chapter 4, verse 42, and they were looking for him at that stage. So they were yeah. seeking. Very good. Um, and there was an openness as well. Yep. And the hearing, faith comes by hearing. Yes. And hearing by the word of God. Yes. Very good. Do you want to add to that, Barry? Well, one of the things we noted uh, was the importance of the supernatural. Yes. And often our Christian experience is devoid of the supernatural. And yet here in the face of a miracle, Peter repents, recognizes yeah. Jesus as Lord, and yeah. uh, his life is changed forever. There's an awakening. So we recognized um, that we need to have an expectation for the supernatural. Amen. It's yeah. happened in our lives, in church, all over. Yep, very good. Very good. Did you... I heard something over here. So what we said was it was a, the words that we used was the teach, example, action, which was the obedience, then they had a result, and there was a worship, and then that led to an awareness of their weakness and their sinfulness, yep. and then that ended in a commission. Yeah, fishers and men. And so it's about a spiritual priority rather than a practical application. Very good. That's excellent, excellent. So we've all spotted the same kind of pattern here, that this isn't... Uh, this is descriptive of what God does in our lives, doesn't he? So we, I've, I've, just got, I've used different words, but it's the same as what everyone's been saying. I've found kind of four similar stages. I've found a foundation. Two of them are already disciples of Jesus. They were disciples of, or sorry, already disciples of John the Baptist, who when they were hanging around with him down in the south by the Red Sea, John the Baptist, when Jesus comes along, gets baptised, John the Baptist goes, Behold the Lamb of God. You see in John chapter 1, Simon and Andrew were already there, part of his disciples, who he points to Jesus. So they've already got a bit of a foundation in place, but there was also another foundation in as much as Jesus has been teaching. So they've heard the teaching of this rabbi. There is a preaching of the word already. But then it's one thing to even hear it and like the teaching and appreciate it. It's another thing to respond to it and become a convert. But it's yet another thing to become more than a convert and to be a follower. That's still different yet again, isn't it? And so what, what, what drew them to respond to become converts is what Barry was talking about just now, the supernatural. There is an encounter, there is a revelation that this is more than just head knowledge, this is more than just science, this is more than just reasonable debate, this is more than just some evidence. I mean, there's supernatural evidence that breaks all scientific rules. <laughs> all of a sudden... There's something else going on here. And actually, for a bit of homework, look at the end of chapter 5. The calling of Levi, also known as Matthew, the guy who wrote Matthew's Gospel. He's a tax collector. And there's a similar sequence in there where this guy would have known about Jesus. There would have been a foundation in place. And Jesus' friendship with these fishermen um, would have actually introduced him to the business circles of that local area. It wouldn't have been a lot of people up there. Still not huge populations like we're used to today. And so in that area, Jesus would have got to know local businessmen. He'd have come across, Matthew, Levi, would have come across Jesus being around and would have heard about him, heard his teaching, seen his other healings, seen his miracles. There's a healing of the paralytic just before Levi becomes a follower. And so there, even for Levi as well, you see, go and study it. 
There is the foundation. He's heard the teaching. There is the supernatural revelation. Hang on, this is more than just clever teaching. This is more than just a wise man. And so for both of them, for Levi and for Matthew, but also for the fishermen here, there is then an invite. And what I love about the invite, both times in fact, it's encouraging as well as challenging. Which I love about what Jesus does. He says, don't be afraid, doesn't he, to the fishermen. Don't be afraid. Verse 10, isn't it? It's encouraging where needed. Come with me, be fishers of men. You don't need to worry about it because I'll be on your side. Later on, when you see Levi, his invite is simply two words, follow me. But what we need to understand there is that Levi is a tax collector. He's one of the little tax collectors, not the big chief tax collectors. He's the lowest of the low as far as society is concerned. They don't like those tax collectors. And he's one of the lowest ones. So when Jesus, this great preacher, great healer, declared to be the Messiah, says to him, I want you. Actually, those two words, follow me, sound a bit bold and a bit challenging, but actually they're an encouraging invite when you recognize who's on the receiving end of that. There's encouragement in the invite, isn't there? Don't be afraid. I want you. Other people might not want you, but I do. Isn't that brilliant? That's lovely. And then the response to that is there is the leaving, and this is where it means to become a follower. A convert can believe all that. That's one thing. And you can even go to church and be a convert. Are you a follower? That involves a leaving. Because to follow means to not stay. There's a movement involved, isn't there? And so, again, you can see what Levi does later on. We can talk about that another time. But to be a follower of Christ is more than just a head thing. I understand this and this sounds right and I decided to follow him. That is involved, but it's not just that. It's not just a heart thing. I felt right. It is, that is a part of it, but it's not just that. Why did you become a Christian? Because it felt right. Well, for a lot of people, it feels right to be atheists. It's more, there's part of it, but there's more to it than that. But there's also a supernatural awakening and an encouraging invite that God wants you, that we respond to. And sometimes I even need to be reminded of quite what my in initial invite was and who I am in him to get excited about the fact that I'm his, which makes me want to follow him more. Is that not right? And so there were crowds around Jesus. We need to spot this. There were crowds around Jesus at the time, which is why there were so many crowds there. Jesus had to pull away from the shore to be able to get a decent public speaking delivery from the boat. There were crowds around Jesus. Not all of them were necessarily followers. They were just gathering around him. What we can do, am I someone who likes to hang around Jesus' teaching and around his vicinity but not follow him? It's a big question sometimes. And we can drift in and out of this throughout our Christian lives, can't we? To follow means not to stay. And so to leave everything, they left everything, didn't they? That's a biggie. What were their wives thinking? There's a question for another day. They left everything. Now, for us to become Christians doesn't necessarily mean giving up all our circumstances, our homes, our jobs. And actually on the wives' thing, the wives went with them. They didn't walk away from their wives. We find Peter's wife was with him, etc., but to leave everything may not mean physically walking away from everything, but it will mean walking away from something or some things. And quite often, at the beginning of our Christian life, but often throughout our Christian life, we need to be asking ourselves, what have I not walked away from that I need to, in light of who I'm following? What do I need to walk away from? Have I given him my all? Here's a question. 
you're making notes. Have I given him my all or have I given him my leftovers? It's a big question, isn't it? What is hindering my walk with Jesus? See, Christianity often gets described about by other people who don't understand Christianity, perhaps like we will, now we are saved. People often talk about Christianity as about what you're not allowed to do anymore. Actually, it's about what you do get to do. You get to be a child of God. Let's get to live on the front line of what he's got planned and purpose for this planet. We get swept up into being supernatural people, naturally supernatural. It's more about what we get to do. But it does involve walking away from things. It's good news and it's liberty to captives. I was reading that this morning, just in an earlier chapter of Luke, Jesus declares himself, we bring liberty to captives. But quite often we can be captive to the things we haven't walked away from. That's a big challenge for us all, even now. So perhaps if we're going to sing a song. If Julian doesn't mind getting ready to leave. We're going to, we're going to sing, I will offer up my life. And just that one question. I'd ask you to walk away from, or walk away with, should I say, this morning. Is have I given him my all? Or have I given him my leftovers? Shall we stand? Let me pray and then we'll sing. If parents need to fetch their children back, I'm trying to think how many children are missing. Free up our children's workers, that would be lovely, thank you. Lord, we declare you as Lord. We declare you, Jesus, as our master. We recognise that just as much as these fishermen did. And Lord, quite often we can, we can do the talk, but we don't always walk the walk. And Lord, I pray, even now, I ask you to speak to me. If there's anything where I haven't given you my all, but I've just given you my leftovers. Lord, it's a challenge to leave everything behind in my heart. And Lord, I pray if there is something you want me to deal with, then please reveal it to me now. Each one of us, ask this question. Lord, reveal to me now if there's something I need to set aside so my walk with you won't be hindered so I can follow you to the best of my ability and for all that you have planned for me. Lord, even while we sing this song, just stir our hearts, speak to us with the Holy Spirit. Give us that nudge where we need it. Because we declare Jesus as Lord and we want to live in the light of that. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing. Thank you, mate.